You're listening to Contesting Wrestling, Minisode 29. We are, if you're a new listener, uh, these minisodes are ones where we kind of go over little little bite-sized episodes where we go over anything we might have missed from this week's episode, anything we've learned in the time since recording it, anything that's happened over the course of the week, wrestling-wise. Sometimes we'll talk about ourselves, because damn it, we're people too. We're we, not we just are. we're not just your sound puppets making words to fill your lifetime. Um, we're reflecting on our mankind episode. This isn't Westworld. It's not. I haven't, I've been I haven't watching watched season Westworld. three yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> you haven't watched season three? I liked it. I'm glad it was I, only I eight episodes because it was really slow. But it pays off in the end. Very good. We watched. I wa- I've watched 176 episodes of Dark of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine in the last several weeks, and they all live inside me. It's great. <laughs> uh, holodeck episodes are bad, but that's true of almost all Star Trek. And Vic Fontaine. Which episodes? The holodeck episodes are pretty much always holodeck bad. In any in any Star Trek, those are the ones where they th- those are the ones like all that are alternate universe type episodes, right? Where someone like makes a fictional life for themselves on the hollow deck. Mo- yeah, mostly yeah. Where it's like they'll they'll you know the there's a whole episode where Data is like Sherlock Holmes in yeah. Next Generation. I really like that. I show it? that episode to my students. It's really good for like appearance and reality, like skepticism, epistemology type stuff. Isn't there one in uh, Voyager where the doctor makes himself like a family or something? I'm well, sure. that's different. All right. While Voyager is generally kind of whack, the ca- the doctor character in Voyager is interesting because his whole deal was that he was a hologram, like an emergency program that was forced to suddenly oh. become the ship's doctor. And he like developed a whole consciousness as time went on. Right. He gave. So me, I remember that. He became one. sentient. Like yeah. the actual doctor dies in the first episode, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Voyager, a lot of big wasted opportunities. Voyager. Um, okay, so mankind. Um, Mick Foley, <laughs> mankind. Mick Foley. Um, how we relate, uh, contesting wrestling many, how we relate Star Trek to mankind. Uh, right, so the mankind episode that we did about you know his WWF run, um, even when he got signed, like Vince McMahon didn't think he was going to be the star that he was eventually became, and he did. He, he overcame... Just about everything uh, that you could to make it. So, and he, no, go on. He, he became the champion. Now go on. Well, I have a big story to tell here. So yeah. I don't know. You want to get some stuff out of it? You, you wanted to, to talk about something. Oh, yeah. So like since uh, since all of this, we've watched Mick Foley do horrible things to himself and to others. And um, he had said, I, I believe he says this in his second book, Foley is good as named so because uh, people would bring signs to the wrestling shows that said Foley is God. And being a rather devout Christian himself, he was always very uncomfortable with that. So he said, please just bring signs that say Foley is good. So his second book was called Foley is good. And in it, he said uh, that he wanted future generations of fans that would get into wrestling, have it uh, explained to them when he would come out. Like you see that guy, Mick Foley. Yeah. He was the he was the sickest, most violent son of a bitch you've ever seen. And he wants the new fans not to believe you. 
because of how good he would eventually become. And he has completely succeeded in this. If you followed his exploits of the last like 10 years, um, he has done a, a ton of charity work, especially for the anti-sexual assault and rape charity reign. Um, he got really in, into the idea of being Santa Claus and he trained in the ways of being a Santa Claus and he, at Christmas, he will be Santa in places and he made including it on Monday night raw. He was Santa on Monday Night Raw once. He was hit by a car. Because <laughs> if you're going to get Santa hit by a car, it might as well be Mick Foley, right? Um, he made a documentary in 2014 called I Am Santa Claus, where he talked to a lot of career Santas that every year for decades would be Santa and told their stories. And uh, yeah, interesting guy. This story actually kind of hits weirdly close to home yeah. for me a little bit. Because your dad is Santa Claus, right? Yeah, man. So, look, (laughs) I am... It's true. Evan's uh, shoot name is actually Evan Claus. Evan Kringle. Look, we don't have time to go over the entire Santa Claus canon right now. So my dad, you know, has a huge beard, and and it's completely white. And he, like, went to... I have a large beard because I, like, I'm just not going to give my money to big shaving, you know, and I find it to be time-consuming. Uh, and I'm bald Boy, now, so Gillette. I gotta have something. Boy, cut yeah. Boy, cut <laughs> It's just, it's so expensive and time-consuming and wasteful. Um, and it also, my skin gets, it ha- is bad. It's a whole thing. So anyway, but he grows, he like used to go to um, professional, uh, not professional, he would go to like beard competitions and stuff like that. Um, which, and I, I went with him to one and it was like, I don't know. My dad's a great guy, but like I, a lot of the guys there were assholes. And it's just sort of was a little bit like a con cosplay kind of thing that was cool. And a little bit just like everything that's wrong with masculinity uh, made into a contest. And so, it's only professional he, if you win and they yes. give you money. If you make money, then it's professional. Yeah. yeah. So he but he like he'll like put on he has never been a mall Santa. Thank fucking Christ. Uh, cause that's, that's your, uh, you have to be a weirdo if you're being a mall Santa, but he, he does like, will he'll walk around like wearing a Santa hat and just deal with people like being like, it's Santa. And somehow that's less weird. Um, around Christmas. Oh, he doesn't do it like in July and it is, I guess, I mean, yeah. it is less, he's not inviting children to sit on his lap. He's just walking around and being Santa, but it's, it's a, it's a drive that I don't understand. It is. It is one of the. It's something that, um, that you know, my father and I are pretty close, and that is one of the. That's something that truly baffles me about him. Well, if if you're really curious, I've never actually watched it, but uh, according to just a quick Google search, I am. Uh, I am Santa Claus is on. Uh, let's see, it's on Prime Video, I think. I don't know. It's out there, and it's a documentary that explains why do why do you want to Santa Claus, <laughs> which is. Yeah, it's an interesting question, I think. I will have to check that out, yeah. I have a personal story to to tell here, too. Um, And it's about something that Foley was sort of less successful with, I think. So, And and a kind of disappointment that I had uh, about him. I'm still a a huge fan of his and of his work. Now, Mick Foley Um, ran over Ben's dog. Repeatedly. (laughs) And by dog, we mean son. (laughs) And by son, I mean, you know philosophical ideals or no 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 ben's um, son was repeatedly run over by mick foley 
So I met Mick Foley a few times. The first time I met him was at uh, South Street Seaport. WWE was doing some kind of event there, and he was very nice. He signed my book. Um, you know, he was he was very pleasant. Which book was it, Ben? Um, but this was Scooter. Yeah. This was his second novel, yeah, you... which I haven't actually read. I still have the signed book. It's about baseball. Yeah. I don't know. The, his first novel, Tatum Brown, I really liked a lot. Yeah, it's sick. Um, it's like it's it's this guy. It's oh, it's twisted. It, as it's fuck. sick as a cactus jack barbed wire explosion match. Oh man, exactly. And like by the time I read it, I already thought, oh yeah, Mick Foley, this nice guy. He had already convinced me, who had been a fan of his forever, that like this can't be that bad. Oh no. Oh. He learned one rule of writing, and it's torture your main character. Uh. <laughs> so here's the thing. I really, I, I saw Foley as kind of the intellectual wrestler. And he is really brilliant. You know, he's an incredibly smart guy, incredibly creative and thoughtful guy. Um, as you said, he's fluent in German, which I didn't yeah. know before. He's you, fluent you in dog murder. Really cool. I'm sorry, I'll stop. Son, son murder. Right, son murder. I was trying and to make it sound murder. better, but yeah, we already we already established it's son murder. So there, he committed sonicide. So there's a guy named Sam Ford, who as far as I know, um, and I apologize if there's a bunch of noise on the track, it is now 7 it, o'clock. Yeah, seven, yep, yep, I'm getting it on my end too. If I knew a guy named Sam Ford, I would call him <laughs> Sword. Carry on. So Sam Ford, as far as I know, is the first prof- the first person ever to teach a college class on professional wrestling. Oh, cool. And in 2017, I believe this was, he taught a class at MIT, of all places, on pro wrestling. And he invited Mick Foley to give a lecture, a, a lecture specifically for his class and then also a public one at MIT. So I took the Chinatown bus down to Boston to attend Mick Foley's lecture. And on the way to the lecture is where Mick Foley ran over Ben's <laughs> son. Okay, okay, all right, yes, yes. So I, I get there, you know, uh, really not in very good emotional shape because my son had just died. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I get to the talk and Foley, you know, his, his lecture was mostly telling a bunch of anecdotes, you know, funny things that would pop the audience. The audience was all wrestling fans. And I thought, all right, that's fine. I guess maybe he said the really good stuff during the, the class, actual class. And, you know, anyway, it was fine. But there was a Q&A. And so I asked my question. And I think he misunderstood what where the question was coming from. Because my question was basically, um, you know, how... What do you think wrestling would have to do in order to be accepted by the culture at large? And, and also, why did you run over my son? Right. Yeah. You know, that's part of it. But yeah. So what, what would wrestling have to be like to be accepted by the culture at large? And I think I don't know if I put it exactly like that, but that was what I was trying to get across. And I think he thought that I was talking down about wrestling. That I was like, what, oh, are, no. what is wrestling going to have to be like in order to be oh, like no. culturally acceptable and, and so or something? Si- I think and so is what since you made him so angry, he went to the street where your son's body was still lying and run, <laughs> ran him over again. 
bastard. And then he put yeah, you in the mail. Yes. Which, to be fair, wailing which and wailing. To, if I was trying to no, give so, a lecture about wrestling and then some snot ass kid was just like, oh, what do you think wrestling <laughs> would have to do to not be stupid? I'd be like, I'm coming for your son, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, so he got really defensive and he was like, he was working with the WWE at the time. This was 2000, 2007, right? And he's like, well, you know, like, I think we're actually doing a lot of things to branch out into culture at large. You know, we've got Donald Trump on WrestleMania this year. Oh, God. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't get what I'm talking about. Because for me, culture at large is like academic and intellectual culture, sort of. At least some sort of, right? At least to some degree. Um well, you were you know, asking him this at MIT. At MIT, right. What I meant is, like, yeah. how can we get wrestling to be a subject that, you know, is taught in more college classes, you know, and is taken seriously as an art form? And yeah. That's what I was not really just saying. Not just how can we get more mainstream eyes on the product. Right. Because I love wrestling. And I was thinking about Ring of Honor, and I know Foley had done stuff with Ring of Honor, and how at the time I felt like they were really progressing wrestling in interesting, creative, artistic ways. And he just really didn't get it, uh, what, what I was asking him. And he got angry and defensive and then just kind of went to the next person. And I was really disappointed by it at the time. And I think... Really what it is, is, you know, maybe I was expecting a little much. I think this is reflected also in some complaints he made uh, in his third book, The Hardcore Diaries, about how he was never accepted by literary culture. He was writing all these books and they just kept seeing him as the wrestler. And like he couldn't be, he wasn't taken seriously as a writer. And despite being a New York Times bestseller and all that stuff, and I think, you know, part of it is is probably just that there was a stigma on him for being a wrestler. But I think part of it also is just that as smart, as intelligent and as well read and as uh, knowledgeable as and creative as he is, he doesn't really understand intellectual culture and academic culture. He's just he he's not steeped in that. And that's no, um, you know, insult to him. That's it's just one particular um part of society that I happen to be very well versed in, given that I was raised and, in and, it. And, and it's a, it's a culture that is hard to know if you're not, it, you tend to either be somebody who is completely surrounded by it or you don't really know about it. You know, like, it's yeah. pretty insular. Yeah. And his response to me at MIT and particularly his bringing up Trump as like an exemplar of like reaching into culture um really I illustrated for me that kind of um, uh, blind spot in, in his understanding of the world, yeah. which I think led to his disappointment uh, at not being treated seriously as a writer. You know, he complained again, and Foley is good about the critical reception to have a nice day. His first book, not that any of the critics disliked the book, almost all the reviews that he got were good. It's just that he didn't get, any reviews from any serious like review yeah, sources. None of them even went thought, bothered well, to read it. The London Review of Books didn't yeah, review right. it. <laughs> well, like the New York Times didn't review it, you know, and he thought, well, surely once it's a bestseller, the reviewers will at least take a look at it. And they didn't. They just completely dismissed it. And he, he had thought of it like other art forms, you know. The worst album of the year that comes out uh, will still get reviewed by Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone will be like, this sucks. These guys suck. 
one star, you know, but like with, with books, it's different. There's a whole hierarchy of authors. And yeah, if you're somebody who isn't primarily an author, that's putting out a book that's seen as a commercial cash grab, the literary people will not take you seriously, which is one of the main reasons why he wrote the novel, which the literary people also didn't take seriously because most of them are snobs and don't want to let anybody in that does anything else except go on about literature all day. But also while I enjoyed it, yeah. It's not really like a high level no, literary it's, work. Like it's, I, I I enjoyed it too, but it's you know it's kind of torture porny. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. it's not like he told a story that's you know never been told before. I mean, I mean in has. a sense, he did because he got into like the history, the like seedy history of professional wrestling that's in a true. way that that I think hadn't a little been told bit before. Like it's not a wrestling book, but there's some wrestling in it. And at least it's probably a reflection about, yeah. of somebody who has a lot more. It's at least it's probably a reflection of somebody who probably has a lot more firsthand experience with pain than most yes. humans walking mm. the planet. So, I, I mean, I, oh, I, for sure. I, I have not, I have not read the book, and it sounds like the kind of thing I would not be into. But no, um, probably not. Uh, <laughs> but there is, but there is something to be said at least of like write what you know, and. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know. Yeah, again, like I'm not trying to take a sh- like I enjoy all of his work. Um to a certain extent, I just think that he misunderstands the way it fits in to the larger world. Sure. Yeah. Um so uh, while we're talking about sort of uh some some negative stuff, maybe we'll get back to some positive stuff. Let's get back to the murder of Ben's son, the vehicular manslaughter. Well, I was going to talk about a murder. Um, I think we have to mention here uh, one of the episodes of Viceland's Dark Side of the Ring this uh, this season. And we've mentioned this before was about Jimmy Snuka and how he very and likely you mean definitely killed his girlfriend, uh, his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino. There is there is it's a Dark Side of the Ring clear. being made about um, Ben's son. It's going to be in season three. <laughs> so I just wanted to point out yeah. How like Jimmy Snuka sort of looms large in the whole Foley story. Like, you know, he he was the guy who he wanted to imitate. Uh, you know, he saw him jump off the cage and then he jumped off his roof to imitate him and all that stuff. And also the very early days of ECW, Snuka was one of the main stars who kind of got them going. And it's he was the first Eastern Championship wrestling champion. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it, it makes sense, I suppose. It's a little disturbing that hardcore wrestling uh, has as part of its genesis a genuine murderer or a apparently genuine murderer. So I, I thought that that was something I should point out. I don't I don't know really <laughs> what is an interesting it, right? thing. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you want, you know, a thing that I've always. uh that's the thing that I try and point out to people is that like people really like messed up extreme art in all its forms for, for a variety of reasons because of the feelings that they can provoke and because uh, it may take you to places in your own mind that you need something to push you there. But if you want extreme and sometimes disturbing art, you're going to have to deal with extreme and sometimes disturbing artists because that in many cases is where it comes from. I'm not justifying uh, Jimmy Snooker killing that girl. Um, uh, but that's, you know, but uh, kind of even that aside, pe- people who know him, people who knew him were like, oh, yeah, Jimmy Snooker, nicest guy in the world. Never, ever drink with him because he becomes a 
he becomes a monster. We know people like that. Everyone knows someone like that. Honestly, that's they're the nicest person ever. But one, not not yeah. even like over drinking. They have one drink, and they turn into a different, much worse person. We've all known that guy. And the dude looks terrifying in his promos. He really does. You know, they, they, he had a lot of problems. You know, they, they say he was illiterate. He would order whatever the guy sitting next to him at lunch would order. Oh yeah, his know, wife read the menu. His wife, for yeah. most of his life, they interview her in Dark Side of the Ring, and she's yeah. like, "Yeah, he he was illiterate. Like she, you know." And she's a really interesting person because she seems like a very nice, kind of stable yeah. sort of person, and she just tolerated that shit for however long they were married. I don't know. I I didn't see that episode. I watched one episode of Dark Side of the Ring finally. Because I wanted to see the Brawl for All episode. Oh, yeah, we yeah. talked about it a little. And it's it's it, it's very entertaining, the Brawl for All episode. What a bad idea. But <laughs> I think if we're going to cover the Brawl for All, we should just watch that instead of trying to watch all of these fights. Maybe watch like two of the fights. Yeah, yeah. Because this is, you know, it's produced well. Evan would enjoy it because of the way it's produced. I mean, I really think Evan should watch all the Dark Side of the Ring stuff. But yeah, we could. Oh, no, I, I, I have been meaning to watch Dark Side of the Ring. You keep mentioning, you know, we've been talking about um, Dark Side of the Ring since the podcast started. You could say that Dark Side of the Ring haunts this podcast much the way Mick Foley is haunted by the ghost of young Hobarth <laughs> Abelson. Hobart. Uh, poor young Hobarth. All right. So a couple <laughs> other things about murder while we're on the subject, um, <laughs> but in a lighthearted way. So um, we were we were wondering when mankind lost for the first time, like he lost to Shawn Michaels by DQ. But when he like lost definitively, I don't know when his first pinfall or submission loss is, but I'm pretty sure his first actual definitive loss is to Undertaker in the buried alive match. Uh, that was what right, I could find. right. The buried alive match because he lost and then immediately just got out of the grave and then they buried the Undertaker. Right, right. The executioner came out. Yeah, and like the whole heel brigade had to come out because they realized it was a much bigger job than they thought it was. This always <laughs> happens with the Undertaker. With that much dirt. Yeah, we got to watch that Yokozuna match eventually. Katie's been talking about how we have to do a, a whole Undertaker spotlight. I was I was literally about to ma- mention that, like, yeah. I may as well mention it here. Like, I'd be willing to craft that one with you, Ben, as, like, my contesting wrestling magnum opus. Uh, because I already have several, like, definite must-watches on Let's do that. Uh, I have, I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah I'll get in the slack. Uh, yeah, cool. We'll do that. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Taker has had a lot of crazy it, spectacles. My it's going to have to be several parts, like the full at, one. Will at least, my, my only at request. Least oh, yeah. At yeah. Least my only request is that we do The Undertaker versus The Undertaker. Yes. Yes. That, yes that's got to be the bad match for episode one, right? We, yes. we would have to do that. We have to do The Undertaker, his Survivor Series debut, obviously. We yeah. did that one. We actually did. We that already one. did that. So, yeah, we did yeah. it on a previous. It must not episode. have been an episode. We've never done Undertaker versus Brock. I know that because we brought that no, up, and that has to be in there somewhere. Either. Yeah, that could. Be that a, that has to. It's because it's not a good match, but it's it's too historical not to. Absolutely, and we got to yeah. do, of course. Yeah, well, anyway, we'll we'll, well y'all we'll hash that out. Yeah, after let's we let's not go too far into business secrets, everyone. Um, I have a couple of other things. Oh, oh, one one more thing, fully related. Doc, you talked in the episode about how. The jump off of the roof, while it did get Foley attention from some promoters, uh, wasn't what made him a star. Right. Similarly, a a recent uh, analogy to that or um, a similar instance is these Walmart wrestlers. 
Yeah. These guys who went viral for like, they were, they work at Walmart and they just like put each other through a bunch of tables and shit. And like they did, <laughs> yeah. they're clear. They clearly were trained to some degree and they did the moves yes. really crisply and stuff. And they got booked on Joey Janela's spring break for this year, which never happened because it never COVID. happened. But, um, but even, even that booking and a lot of people were complaining, oh man, they shouldn't get booked just for like this one stunt or whatever. Right. Book them for the one stunt. That's not yeah. going to me- make them stars, right? Like, but you're saying that Joey Janela has to book only the most serious wrestlers, <laughs> right? The guy that went viral falling off the roof with Zandig. Like, no, Janela knows. Janela is very aware of the brand of his spring break shows and what they mean to the, the wackiest fans in wrestling and other anomalies, you know? And, like, maybe you're, maybe you don't fit, even though you deserve a better spot. Who deserves what? Go do something memorable. Come on. Yeah. Go do something memorable. Like, run a Pokemon Platinum Randomizer Nuzlocke on Twitch at Over Here Counting. <laughs> Speaking of fans, I, I also wanted to point out that at the end of that Rock Mankind match where Rock mm-hmm. just bludgeons him over the head with the chair again and uh, again. The crowd is not cheering. They are no. quiet. You know, they, and, and I think uh, is, it's something I want to reiterate about wrestling, about most wrestling fans, um, is that they don't want to see wrestlers actually get hurt, actually get right. injured, actually, you know, um, lose their livelihood because of brain damage and, and things like that. Um, you know, as soon as the violence gets real, uh, they're, they're, they're going to check out and they're, and for, by yeah. and large, they're going to be concerned for the welfare of the wrestlers more than anything. Yeah. A hundred percent agreed. The, the, uh, I heard Jim Cornette, uh, observe once properly that the crowd reaction to McFoley changed when he got more over and it went from when he did the big stunt, like a big pop, like, Oh man, he did the big stunt to like a more muted wounded, like, Oh Mick, we, don't want to see this happen to you anymore because we care about you. And Foley never knew how to deal with that. Really? Yeah. He just thought he had to keep going big and hard, which is one of the reasons why he retired. This attitude by the fans is evidenced by the please don't die chant that uh, originated with Paul London in ring of honor. But whenever they're about to do something that looks insanely dangerous, the crowd will chant, please don't die. A couple of things I wanted to say about uh, one of our recent minisodes about the, the no crowd uh, matches, just because I don't know where else to talk about it. Do you want to save this for the micro-sode that we do uh, weekly <laughs> where we go over correct? It's like five minutes long and we go over the corrections for the minisodes. Sorry, sorry, not about the minisodes, things. about our premium episodes. Okay. About recent premium episodes. Oh, okay. Episodes. Sorry, yeah. One of them is uh, I didn't... I've. Didn't mention um, Lance Archer's nickname, even though we talked about his crazy hair. He is the Murder Hawk Monster. The murder Hawk Monster. I think that's an important thing to have. That's pretty good out there. <laughs> how can how can you? Forget I don't know. That? I don't know how I didn't. You're fired. You're, you are fired from this yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, so he is the Murder Hawk Monster. Other thing about Johnny Gargano's T-shirt, T J G W means the Johnny Gargano way as opposed to DOY DIY, not do it uh, yourself or do it your own way. Do it. The Johnny Gargano way that that doesn't really stir anything in me. No, No, me either. No. Yeah. He kind of, he's, he's a real, he's a real slice of normal bread. 
He Johnny really Gargano, is. here's the thing. I watch Johnny Gargano. He's incredible. He's clearly very talented, and I get why he's such a star, and then I just feel nothing. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who, on the indies, called himself the bee's knees and the whole shebang. And it, it, it was one of those things it's, where, like, how meta is he being? But if he never blinks or, like, nudges you, then he's not. He's just being generic. He also, I, rem, I rem, if it's the same guy that I'm remembering, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. He's one of those guys who is in too good shape, I think. Yeah. He's, he's like too, so if you drift too far into model or bodybuilder, right. like I feel like Ryback was <laughs> uh, another, was a different example of just like, he's it's too much with your muscles, yeah. please, sir. Back it off a little to, bit. I, I, I need you to dial that down a little. Johnny Gargano's a little too like, oh my God, go eat like some bread. Yeah, yeah some he carbs. has negative body fat. Right. Yeah. You look at his legs, they're really kind of weirdly, they're all muscle. Yeah. Like there, there's, <laughs> no, there's nothing in between, I don't know. Like you can like just muscle I try not bone. to shame, I try not to body shame people, but Johnny Gargano should be more ashamed of his body. <laughs> of, his, of his Adonis-like body. Yeah. Yes, of his, of his It doesn't really fit his ideal. character. No, it's not. Yeah. I think it's what really is, the problem. What is this character? Yeah. Last thing yeah. about Last the thing. Pre- about that premium episode, I it just occurred to me that Colonel De Beers and Paul Diamond being a match yep. is like is funny and oh, yeah, it's a funny yeah. coincidence because yeah. De Beers being a Diamond Company. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I had to point yeah. it out. God damn it! And you did. <laughs> remember, remember, eating away at me. <laughs> all diamonds, all diamonds are blood diamonds. Yeah. Um, yes, well, that's why they called him Colonel De Beers, okay. I think, partially, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So should we um, should we get our various oh, uh, plugs in? I have one. I have one last quick thing. Yes, Evan. Okay. I'm gonna. Uh, it's a bit of a scorecard. It's a scorecard oh, yes. update for everybody. Um, so I went through. I looked at because you know I forget what matches we do. Okay. So yeah, I went through. I I've got ten matches that I would say I have enjoyed. That I would le- say I legitimately uh, good, which is a very small percentage of the matches we've watched. Yes, which is difficult. Um, but uh, no, but I would say the yeah these these are the you know I I, I whenever I, we watch something that I like I say oh it's sort of in this one echelon and I can't really rank anything. So this is in no order whatsoever. Okay. These are there or I'm going to give you the, the I'm going to give you nine and then there's one that I think you'll be surprised by at the end. Oh. All right, so Eddie Ray. Yeah. First one. Um, Omega Ibushi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cassidy Pack. Oh, yeah. yeah. Joe Styles Daniels. Classic. Mm-hmm. Omega Jericho. Rivals. Uh, Flair Rousey Lynch. History. Yes. The <laughs> other Flair Rousey match. Oh, okay. yeah. Brutal. Cassidy Starr. Mm, the future. Undertaker Edge with the great Charles Robinson ref moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. The big slide. Uh, and then finally, honestly, the Cena RVD ECW match. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that has more to do with just the intensity of the crowd. So intense, yeah. Just I, 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 I was very affected by that match. 
I'm surprised you didn't mention Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, because I remember you really liking that when we watched it. I, I did. I, I got it. I should watch it again. I did also really like that. This is also this this list. And is you haven't mentioned any Shawn Michaels matches. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Shawn, interesting. I, 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 it's, it's. I feel like Shawn Michaels was an early favorite, and okay, as we move yeah. on, it's not like I'm anti Shawn Michaels, but I have more of a taste for these guys. You also, have I'm going to say this now. list. I remember this you liked the screw subject. job match a lot too. Yeah. Yes, I did. This list is subject to change. There's sure. no. There's no other. I, I'm not bound by rules here. Yeah, this, this is, is how you feel today. Yeah. I know what you mean there. Exactly. You know? But yeah, those are those are all good matches. I, um, I, I I understand the Cena RVD match. Yeah, the intensity, the crowd. The, if Cena wins, we riot. How Cena handled that. Uh, very well, and how Rob Van Dam was coming in for his title, and he took it. Just, just fantastic stuff. People still, you know, that match is quite old now, and people really do still talk about it. We did for a reason. All right, well, you know, my name, uh, as usual, is Doc Diamondfire. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Diamondfire. It's at Dr. Diamondfire. Um, you can follow me on Twitch at Doc Diamondfire. I've been Twitch streaming every night. I've been doing late night Super Mario Maker 2, which has been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, uh, as far as the podcast itself goes, if you enjoy us, we have a Patreon where we put out a full length episode every week on our Patreon for five dollars a month. Uh, you get that at patreon.com slash contesting wrestling. And if you just want to uh, kick into the cause a little bit for one dollar a month, you get all, you don't get the premium episodes, but you do get all the regular episodes uh, instead of on schedule as pretty much as soon as they're done being edited. Um, so, yeah, check that out. If you enjoy the podcast, we would love to have you on. Uh, and I am uh, Ref Katie, a.k.a. Katie Vella. I am at Ref Katie on Twitter. Uh, follow me, and I will tell you how much I love you, uh, which apparently is a great way to get followers, just so you're aware. I'm at Over Here Counting on Twitch. I stream Pokemon Nuzlocks. Uh, I've been doing it for a while now. It's great. I have, As of this recording, I have three to go until affiliate. Hopefully, I will have hit that, uh, hit that by the time this comes out. Uh, and remember, uh, with the Patreon, all proceeds from the Patreon do go to Ben's son's funeral costs. So <laughs> please, please support us. Oh it's been really traumatic for him. Uh, I d- sonless, childless, now Dr. Ben Abelson can be found at Scribe Ben on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. I've been meaning to make a playlist of some of my lectures that are around uh, the, the yeah. YouTube sphere. So look forward to that. If you want to follow um, my YouTube, I'll be having some new stuff on there fairly soon. Other than that, you know, if you're a Mercy College student, register for my philosophical psychology class in the fall. It'll be fun. My name is Evan Burke. You can follow me on Twitter at Evan Burke, etc. That's Evan Burke, E-T-C. Whenever the fucking new webcam I ordered finally shows up. Uh, I will also be Twitch streaming. Hell yeah! Not uh, also. I'll talk. I'll talk about that more when it comes. But um, it'll probably be a lot of stuff from like the Dark Souls series. So I've been playing a lot of Death Stranding, which is alternately very stressful and very relaxing. That's I think how we're all feeling right now. Thank you for listening. This has been Contesting Wrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Contesting W. We love you. Stay out of the ocean. Stay. Out Do of the not. Ocean. As always. Go in the ocean. No, just no. Especially the ocean of humanity right now. Poetic. Ooh. Poetic. <laughs> <laughs>